All right. So um, I, okay, so, well, no, do your welcome all stars. What did we talk about before the show? Okay. All right. I didn't know you were going to do that. No, we're right now. That's how we open the show. I know we're only 37 episodes in, but we open the show <laughs> with a little bullshit. And then no. we you, go into okay. welcome back all stars after the music when the dude's done singing. Whatever. Okay. What do we got? We're going to talk today about meeting with a real estate agent. You know what we should talk about, actually, now that I think about it? How you always interrupt me? No, we should talk about how you were trying to make out with me at 2 a.m. last night. <laughs> I think you were dreaming. That I'm did not sure. That did not happen. Okay? That did okay. not happen. It did happen. I'm not just some booty F boy <laughs> that you get to call whenever you've had enough of life's little ups and downs and you need a little romance. Okay, fine. All right, but I'm So if you-, you want me, if you want all this, <laughs> you're going to have to come around 10.30 p.m., okay? Because I got shit to do in the morning. Note to self. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to blow up your comfort zone at the tender age of 50? Well, we did just that. When our last kid went off to college, we hit the road in search of a new hometown. Now we bounce from city to city and bring you along for the ride. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. What's up, All-Stars? Welcome back for another episode of Skip Town. We are so happy you could join us today. We're back. We are. And we took a... um, a little trip to Mexico again. And um, again, you sound like a brat when you say that. I know, I totally do. No, stop that. So, last time we were in Mexico, he said it was going to be his last time. That was when we went to Cabo San Lucas because his thought was, let's see other cities in Mexico mm-hmm. and not keep coming back to Cabo. And he said that <clears> November <throat> and it's March and he, he was back in Cabo in the same exact hotel resort that he said he was never coming to in November. Yeah. And rest assured, we'll be back again. I hate that place. I am never going back. I went back for the last time and- I got to interrupt you. But let's just- pedal back a little bit. Okay. We were in Cabo for seven days and we were there with our daughter for her spring break and her Thank roommate. God she was there. It made it bearable. Stop it. You sound like a brat again. I know. He's just bent out of shape about the resort that we're staying at. And, you know, we're we're old people and we have a timeshare. I hate I just I don't even like saying timeshare because it sounds so antiquated, but whatever. We have a timeshare and he's always complaining about this timeshare. But whatever. We bought it when the it kids sucks. were little. It was perfect for for that point in our lives, and we've outgrown it a bit, so we still have time on it, and I just have to hear every time we're there how much he hates it. Anyway, we're there for seven days, and the entire seven days, he kept saying, I'm never coming back here. I'm never coming back here. On day seven, we checked out of our resort. The kids went back home to Salt Lake City, back to college, and then we continued on our trip, but we changed resorts. So we spent four more days in Mexico but at a different resort in a different city. So we left Cabo and um, went to San Jose, which is about 40 minutes north of Cabo. Right, north, correct? I'm always yeah. like switched around when I'm there. I it's can, north I and it's it on the Sea of Cortez side. So Correct. Uh, and it's on the way to the airport, yes. actually. So I don't know why I always confuse it with Cancun. I have no idea. But anyway, so we went to a different resort. And he was so happy that we had left Cabo. We left the resort. We were at this adults only resort it was like it does it's it's not as exotic as that sounds no it was adults only i just meant like no kids running around you know all of that like that part was great you know pooping in the pool yeah that part was great and so then the we're not there for more than three hours now mind you i've been having to hear him say for seven days he's never going back to the resort that we were at um we were staying in no longer than three hours we'd been there. We had to get on a van because we were taking a beautiful sunset boat ride. And where'd the van take us? It took us to the marina directly across from our shitty resort that I hate. (laughs) So I spent about a hundred bucks in tips just getting all of us out of there and Uh all of us to the airport and all of us into you and I into another hotel to promptly get in a van and tip a guy to take me right back there. Okay, here's the best part. Because you're 
you never, you never listen to me. You're oblivious. I don't even like know, like half the time you don't even know I'm next to you, but whatever. <laughs> We're in the van going there, right? We're in the van going there. The oh, minute that we got in the van, cause there's like 10 other people. The guy does a U-turn on the freeway. And I say to James right before I closed my eyes, because I took a little nap, I said, oh, we're heading back to the marina. Now, I don't even think you heard me because then all of a sudden I hear, oh my God, are you kidding me? And I open up my eyes and there's our old resort. Yep. <laughs> Literally so across the street from the resort is where the van stopped. It was so awesome. Mm-hmm. All that, I'm never coming back here. I'm never coming back here. Three hours later, you were there. Oh, I'm never going back now. Whatever. I'll see you next year. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we spent um, the remainder of our stay in Mexico at a beautiful uh, adults only. The Marquee. Res- yeah, the Marquee Resort. Awesome. It was, the food was amazing. The drinks were great. Um, More suited for my taste. You don't even drink, really. No. I mean, I had the same tequila and soda <laughs> sipped on it all day, like I, like just like I did at the other resort. But um, the rooms were a lot nicer. There's no such thing as a room that doesn't face oh, the ocean, which is incredible. I mean, like nobody's fighting about not having an ocean view because everyone has a beautiful ocean view, yep. and it's right on the water. So whereas some resorts would be set back, this one sits so close to the beach. You can hear the waves crashing. It's really you don't. It's really beautiful, and you don't get that like in Cabo a lot because some of the resorts, um, well, ours especially, uh, is is pretty far back from the beach. And for um, a hundred and fifty dollars more per day, you got way better food, way better alcohol, way yeah. better service, uh, bottles of water in your room. Yeah, uh, not a junky room with the plumbing that's bad, like in our resort. It's just, there's no comparison. So uh, I highly recommend not going to the Sandoz Finisterra. <laughs> Stop it. Oh my God. You know how many- In Cabo. It's so funny though. It got so many good reviews. Like, well, so to make him more angry- I know, but they haven't been members as long as we have. That is true. But to make himself more angry, he'll like look up reviews. <laughs> oh yeah. It's getting like four and a half out of five stars. And these people are paying like 300 a night. And I'm like, there are so many better places in Cabo. Like mm-hmm. my Lord. So anyway, um, I personally say stay away from Santos Finisterra unless you're getting it for less than $200 a day. I don't know. I've really got to think this one okay. through. At the Sandos, at the San, you don't have to think it through. Oh, you're telling I've already do. thought it out for you. I know. <laughs> you don't need to think of anything. You know what? I think I might pick the marina still because I like to get out and walk around. I'll get back to you. Okay. You're not picking. I'll it be for at me. the marquee when you're done thinking about it. <laughs> Moving on. How are we get stay on this topic? <laughs> All right. Well, look. I mean, we're here to talk about um, real estate. That is the topic that we're going to talk about today because. We are still looking for a house for our entire family. We have, look at, we're in our, we're back in our rental. We'll be here until we head out again. And that's going to be in a few weeks. But, um, you know, we really wanted to talk about real estate because we're notorious for going to a place. James gets on Zillow. We drive around in the car to the neighborhoods that he sees. Yep. And we're like, oh, you know, is this a great, is this a, is this a great house? Is it a good neighborhood? Could we, you know, do this? And that's been the extent of our real estate adventures. But this time, we actually decided to get help from a real professional. So <laughs> seeking professional help for the first time in our Fan- lives. Fancy that. Um, so while we were in Savannah, because we were in Savannah for like a little over three weeks, we decided to meet with a real estate agent while we were there. Yeah. And um, you know, Savannah was the perfect city to do this because Savannah is on every single list of um, places to move. And we talked about this in our Savannah episode. It's on the list of like up and coming cities. It's on the list of the friendliest cities. I mean, it hits every list. So for years, we've been wanting to visit Savannah. And while we were there, we thought, let's meet with an agent, not just to talk about real estate in Savannah, but like, how did it go from a city that was once affordable to now a city that only wealthy people can purchase homes? Like, when did that happen? So we met with a real estate agent by the name of Isia Orr, mm-hmm. and she owns Fox Hollow Realty. Yep. And the day that we met with her, we also met with her daughter, Michaela, and Chanel, who is another agent there. Yeah, I was going to say, she not only met with us, 
even though she knew we probably weren't going to be seriously looking for a house that day and using up her time. She met us on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. She did. She was so generous with her time. When I reached out to her, I thought it was really important that the person that I reach out to be a local. So then I I, I went to Isia's uh, Instagram. I loved her Instagram. There was no song and dance, legitimately. Like, and I don't just say that like figuratively. I mean, like, like what's the other word besides figuratively? Horse and pony show. Yeah, but when you don't when you say figuratively, that means like imagination. I'm saying like, what's the word? Literally. Yeah, literally. So they're literally. <laughs> it's one of your favorite words. I you know. Can't... I can't remember that. I use it so often. It's like adjective, adverb. I forget why I use it so often. It's just because you're saying it in cases where it's not literal. That's why. That is true. So the one thing that impressed me about Isia, and I knew this was the person for me, was that her son at the age of 23 bought a house Mm-hmm. And he was working at Walmart making $24,000 a year. And he purchased a house for $100,000. I think it's less than a year. He has put the house on the market to sell it and is going to sell it for over $205,000. So this is a kid. Yeah. In less than a year, he is making a, I think she said it was like a $100,000 profit or hundred and two or something like that on this house. That is sold me like this isn't a woman who just does this as a job this is a woman who practices what she preaches and she extends it to her entire family so um her daughter who is 25 just purchased her first house for three hundred and forty nine thousand dollars. yeah michaela yeah and it's like incredible that um she has two young adults who are first-time home buyers in their early 20s her whole objective in selling real estate is to get you in a home sooner than later. And she had said this more than once to me on the phone when I spoke with her. Yeah. And then in person that she doesn't believe you should wait until you're in debt to figure out if you can buy a home. And when she said that, it was eye-opening. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I have, I can think of one friend, Stevie K, shout out. I can think of one friend who kind of had their shit together at an early age and was able to buy a house relatively early, like way before any of the rest of the guys in my crew. And um, other than him, I just know so many people that went into debt, had to dig out of debt, and then decided to buy their first house. Okay. The one thing she said over and over was like, you don't need to have your shit together. Like you said, Stevie K had his shit together. That's not what she preaches. She preaches, if you've worked at a job for two years, and you can come in with 3% down, you can do it. So figure out the numbers. Her son bought a house for $100,000. He only had to come up with $3,000. Yeah. On a $24,000 a year job, he could still do that. So I, I was so impressed with her and how her goal is to get young people and people who don't think they can buy a home into a home. So I think you know we should let everyone hear what Isia has to say. Roll tape. Uh, we're going to meet a real estate agent in Savannah, Georgia, to talk about real estate, what's affordable, what's not affordable, why there's such a boom in the historic section in the past, you know, I think it's 10 years. So we're, she's going to confirm that. I'm James. How are you? Is it okay if we record? Yeah, that's my. I'm Isaiah. How are you? Pleasure. How are you? Hello. Nice to meet you. Hi. How are you? Nice to meet you. Hi. My daughter did come. Oh, she did. Oh, nice. We have everybody. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi, James. How are you? I know. Look at this. This is a modeling agency. Um, we could go into my office in here if you want. Thank to. you so much for doing this. No, no yeah, Sunday morning. Thank you. Yeah. So this is the first time we've actually like met with real estate agents because we've done like our thing. Like, oh, we think we could live here. We looked on Zillow, see what the housing house prices are, but like get a deep dive with the three of you. Exactly. It's gonna be so awesome. Like people have questions that like, of course we're not real estate agents, so we can't answer. Right. But we have questions too that we really want answers to. Okay. So. Well, I'm Isia. I have been practicing real estate now for 19 years, um, August of this year. Um, I love real estate. I 
couldn't imagine doing anything except for real estate. So that's pretty much it. For and me. what's the name of your agency? Um, it's Fox Hollow Realty. Okay. Yes. Have you? How long have you owned it? Um, I actually owned or opened Fox Hollow about six months ago. Oh, okay. And, well, J June of 2022. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I made six months in December. Yes. Oh, congratulations. Yes. So where were you before that? Um, I was with Fathom Realty for about two and a half years. And then I was also with Keller Williams Realty okay. for over 15 years. So <laughs> what made you decide to open up your own place? It was time. Aww. It was time. Everything that I didn't like about a brokerage, I wanted to bring it into my brokerage. So um, when I first decided to open, it was all about... I just need to, you know, make sure that I could do it. So I, I gave myself a goal of about 20 or 30 transactions before the end of last year. And I said, if I could do that, then I'll invite other agents in. But right away, other agents were interested. So I just started hiring. And now what I do is I do a lot of training. So I'm in my office at least three days out of the week doing hands-on training. I am extremely hands-on. So Chanel will tell you. We do a lot we of We have pushed <laughs> actually built a road out of bricks and we got someone out of a really sticky muddy situation <laughs> so um yeah so we're out in the field at least three four times a week um with brand new agents just showing them what we do every day um i love the fact that i have a 25 year old you know my daughter and then chanel is in her early 30s so we definitely target women we target um, young people especially because my thing is you don't have to wait until you're in debt to learn how to get out of debt and then purchase a home. Why not do that in the beginning? Like start off with a home. Mikhail is actually under contract to purchase right now to, to get her first home. It's new <laughs> We're all about service. We're about community and we're about teaching. Everything is about teaching. So, teaching the buyer. Mm -hmm, teaching the buyer. And of course, you know, like I said, I'm bringing new agents in. So I also teach agents. What makes Savannah special? When I start off with a buyer consultation, I ask um, goals. I ask if they have kids because we have certain areas that are a lot better for kids than others, especially different school districts. Um, most of the people that decide to just move to Savannah, they are looking to live near downtown, but it's crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. So we try to get you as close as possible. Um, without, you know, breaking your wallet and things like that. So I guess today I would like to know a little bit about what you guys are looking for so that we can explore the right areas when it comes okay. out to Savannah. Okay. Um, I, I was just gonna add, um, one of the properties that I put on the list is kind of to give you an idea of what we're dealing with because when COVID happened, it almost seems like it was a great migration and everyone decided to move south because of course we have great weather. And like Michaela pointed out, we have beaches here, but then also in South Carolina. So we do have a lot to offer in Savannah. Um, however, we are still in a market where I have buyers now make it offers on properties that are below 250 and they have to still go up almost to 300,000 to win the bid. So, so we're, we're in, in here. Yes. So we're in multiple offer situations on quite a, quite a few properties. Even now, it seemed like we had maybe about three months of calm and then it's just back. So where the it interest was. rates didn't matter. It, it seems like they would. Um, but no. And even my daughter being under contract, um, we're now shopping around to try to find a better interest rate for her because it, they've gone up since she started her contract. And then rent here is astronomical. Okay, so I guess then we can get right into it. Okay. Yeah, um, one quick question though for Chanel. Did you grow up here? I did not. I'm actually from Arkansas and I moved to Hinesville this past August, so I'm pretty new to the area still. Okay, so August. So how? Uh, so you're a transplant. Tell us mm -hmm. how you're feeling so far. In I love it. Like Michaela said, it's not even just Savannah, just Georgia in itself has been so welcoming to me. I feel like I found where I was supposed to be. Arkansas was completely different, so... I am so happy to be here. Um, I've purchased two homes already, so therefore Ooh, I kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bought my first home at 24, and I bought my second home in August when I moved here um, at the age of 30. So, do you wow. feel like an underachiever? Oh, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I didn't want to move out of my apartment when I was 30. When I, I was know. 30, I oh know. my gosh. Uh, all right, good answer. What part of Arkansas did you say? Little Rock. 
Little Rock. Okay, yeah. so we've been to Little Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 We, we were just there, there a couple months ago. Very cute town. Yes. Very small. I was going to say, do you find it a lot more energy here? Yes, very much so. I felt like boggled down. I feel like I had outgrown Arkansas. So, I mean, Georgia, you have so many places to live. And it's it's been wonderful for me. And you were also in the city. Exactly. I lived in Atlanta for a year. I rented for a year to see where I wanted to, you know, create my roots and uh -huh. here I am in Hinesville. So nice. I had a big city feel and now I have this feel and I love it here more than Atlanta. This is, so this yeah. is just, this just right. Yes, perfect. Okay, I got it, love it, okay. And, and I'm glad you asked her because I was going to point out the fact that Chanel is one of the people that we deal with every day in this business. She basically looked at a map and decided this is where I want to yeah. be. So I get so many clients that way and then I have to spend the rest of the time not really selling them because they know they want to be here, but trying to select the best area for them because she does have two uh, young kids. Okay. So yeah. So she needs a good school district. Yes. She needs an area that's exactly. not high in traffic so she can get to pick them up from school and leave yep. here and get there in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was really hard to have clients that are saying, listen, I see, I understand the numbers don't support this, but we need this house. And we're willing to pay 50,000 more or 60,000 more to get this house. But then that causes a problem of locals not being able to afford Absolutely. like their children can't buy in their neighborhood because Absolutely. people from outside came in overpriced and then what i find because we've been we've been seeing this all over is that um is that the residents get mad at the people that moved in when they should really be mad at the person that sold the house for $50,000 over. Don't be mad at the person that offered it. It's yes. like, because you had an opportunity to say no and sell it to a local who was going to pay the asking price. But instead, we all know, like, you can't blame the seller wanting to make $50,000 exactly. more. But yes. then the residents in the neighborhood are mad because the person from, let's say, South Carolina came in and bought that house for $50,000 more. And now... All the prices are Yeah, that little Timmy can't afford a house in his own neighborhood. Well, I will true. tell you, in, in South Carolina, it's nice to say, but they came from California, New Jersey, New York. They came with cash. Yeah. So they, I mean, I would I would list a property maybe in Richmond Hill for $450,000, and it would sell for cash. If they did try to renegotiate after going under contract, maybe $5,000 off, but it's still sold. And they would tell me, up there where we're from we cannot get a house like no, this we can't. cannot get a four bed you know three and a half bath house over three thousand square feet for this number where we're from it's eight hundred thousand oh, yeah. i don't disagree with that yes that's true yes but then it just causes we're just seeing it over and over again that locals are not happy yes like they're just not because um we've seen it in boise idaho yeah our we've classic example is boise they really hate californians in boise like take they put it on. They put it on bumper stickers. Yeah. Wow. They yell "California, go home!" out the yeah. window. Oh my god! If they see California plates. Yeah. But they'll take the money. So yes. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. You can't take our money and then be mad that you took our. That's money. true. Like, it's like so. I don't know. It's it's a. I get it as a as a seller. Mm -hmm. If you can make fifty thousand dollars more in your house, I get it. But then everyone's mad at the person that paid that. They were making hundreds of thousands yes. um, more. And like I said, I thought like, oh, finally, I'm calling buyers. I'm like, guys, we can get you in a house now because our buyers would get exhausted. 15 offers. We, we would have people that said there's no way I would leave out of the city limits of Savannah. And they would end up in Hinesville or Glenville, even Claxton. And all those places are an hour and a half plus away from here. But they wanted a house and they didn't want to rent. Landlords increased prices, um, sellers, you know, increased prices. And then there's the people who saw what was happening and they would just buy something, maybe use an FHA, any type of loan to get in, put a little bit of money into it and sell it for a hundred thousand more. So if they bought it in 2020 or you know, 2021, they would sell it in 2022 and still make a hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yes. And we would, you know, as realtors, we would just go through the MLS and like, oh my God. Because you would see this crazy we, we would see the trend, but our buyers were still going to buy. Okay, so I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to turn it uh, down. Yeah, no, no, I'm not like, stuff. no, you're not going to say anything though. The increase in people, was it due to remote working or was it... Uh, Thank you. A hundred percent. And you know, everyone was asking me, what is going on? What is going on? But with COVID and, you know, all of my buyers, they would say, Michaela, what about the ones that went to um, DR Horton subdivision in Bloomingdale? 
they they work from home. They work cyber oh, yeah. security. Yep. They work all types of even health insurance. Yeah, there were like, a couple who just saw another one who just saw to move to Georgia, and they were like, "Oh, we have nothing but time and yeah. availability. We're just gonna work from home, anyways." So they want to be able to tour Savannah in their time off. They want to, you know, but it's very very diverse here. So they just want to be able to enjoy Savannah. But it, it was one of two things that happened when COVID hit. Number one, a lot of people went home to work and the kids couldn't go to school. So they realized this house is too small. We are tired of all being in this cramped space. We need a bigger home. And then they would say, why are we in this cold area? Our, our company is not opening back up. It's cold here. Let's go down south. And like you said, once they got here, they made our market go insane. The landlord said, either I'm going to unload these properties that still need repair because I can sell them and still make, you know, 100000 profit without doing anything. Or I'm going to increase the rent, which we would have the average house that rented for 1500 now rents for 2500 Oh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I don't, and I'm, I feel like I know the market. I can feel the trends, but right now it's, it's shaky, you know. Okay. Shaky in what way? Because, like my daughter, you know, I caution the fact that she is purchasing a brand new home in the price range that she's in and the rates are going up, but it still makes sense for her to purchase. So, of course, I can't foresee that what's going to happen in a year after she gets into that home. She can always refinance. She can, but when? You know, we thought that, because I think the interest rates began rising in summer of 2022. Yep. So, for us, we just knew, like, okay... By the end of the year, you guys will be refinancing, but we're all already at spring of the next year. Oh, that's a very mm -hmm. good, it's going to be summer in a few months exactly. and interest rates are still high. They're still rising. Yeah. And like oh, I said, in her situation, lenders are predicting quarter four of 2024. So, what? yeah. Mm -hmm. it's just, mm -hmm. So everyone's going to be paying the high, you have to wait for almost two more, yes. one more year, sorry to refinance. But when, which are still better off because it's still going up. The prices of the homes are going right. up. And even the home she secured, the last one in that phase of that subdivision. But I have a client that already signed a listing agreement that's selling that same plan and he's selling it for what she's purchasing her brand new one for. So the prices are wow. still, yes. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And we already have buyers just waiting because that seller, the only thing he has to do is wait for his apartment to uh, become available and then that house is gone. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I have a question. When twenty, when the when the pandemic hit in February, <clears throat> were you like, oh my gosh, my career's <laughs> over? Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, they said that realtors can get unemployment. You know, we need to figure out something because there's no way that people are going to purchase. And I was extremely careful with COVID. I would wear two masks most of the time. So I'm like, there's no way. I we when did so the phone start ringing immediately. I don't know when people realize, hey, I can just pick up and leave, but we showed so many homes virtually. Like, we normally would not see our client until closing day. Yep. Were we you did, like... Yes, it was so different for me because in my whole career, I had maybe sold two houses virtually and, you know, over 15, 16 years before that point. And now it's like maybe uh, 20 of every 35 houses is just completely virtual. How did you pivot? Like, how, what did you immediately, like, how did you know, I have to get this online, I have to, like, get a 3D view, like, I know you already, did. you already, do, like, everyone does virtual, how did you pivot, there's a pivot you had to do quick. It was immediate, it was just listening, you know, just listening to the clients and watching um, just social media, and then the news, of course, the news is always going to make you afraid, <laughs> but like I said, we just knew, like, oh, we could just stay at home because nothing's going to happen, and the phone immediately started ringing, so once you start off with, you know, client one and client two, then you know what to do with clients three, four, and five. Okay, so, but how did you pivot doing it on Zoom? How did you pivot just doing tours virtually? Was it hard for you? No, not at all. Oh. I, as a matter of fact, I took so many um, cues from my clients because they would say, well, you know, if you use WhatsApp, it's easier. And you know, if you do this, it's that. And I was like, okay, so I'm doing this. And then I'm telling the other agents like this way is better. Um, sometimes I would even just go in completely video the home, put it on a private YouTube link, and then they will watch it from there. So you're just then, with your iPhone? Yeah, yep. just with my so iPhone. So you didn't have, a, like, you weren't hiring, like, professional videographers. No. Like, it wasn't necessary. No. We'll be on FaceTime with we, the clients. Yeah. FaceTime and go through the whole 
with her help. No yeah, time. Was say, so there was no time. Yeah. I mean, 15, I, I tell you, and, and we're not exaggerating. It would be about 15 offers before you got one and they want to purchase and they want to have a house by the time they get here and you are not going to meet them until closing day. So they trust you and rely wow. on you to take them through the entire um process that's like old school real estate that is old school but it makes you feel so good because when they get here and they love it i'm like yes we did a great job but the thing about it um when i did decide to move to Hinesville, that was september of 2020 so it's right at the time when everything just decided to go crazy mm -hmm. so for us we're Hinesville, you know savannah pooler port Wentworth. we're just all over the place so like you said it was just as we went we realized the easiest or the best tools to use in order to make sure that everyone saw the house that they were going to get in the end and thankfully everyone's happy everyone's happy okay so you get a feel right away when you hear her that she's like no joke she's been doing this at a very young age she owns her own real estate uh office everyone in the office is so knowledgeable about real estate it's true but i want to talk about like the most important thing that she mentioned are you waiting for me to ask no because you already know what it is <laughs> you looked at me and no, you hung there you already know what it is um savannah blew up during the pandemic yeah let me just recap everyone really quick on a few episodes back when I said that houses started skyrocketing in areas that um, were like- It was a specific area. It was St. Pete's. Yeah. Yeah. But I use that as an example because that's an area that people used to like to visit uh, during the winter times, adorable beach town, whatnot. And the whole argument back then was um, it-, it, it went out of control during the pandemic because people had the opportunity to move and work remotely and you pulled up looked your up figures stupid google and facts found okay. out yeah, that there were only two thousand people that moved no, there in no, the last wrong. couple Here years we go. don't make me don't make me like have to go over so maybe drop some knowledge on your <laughs> don't, ass don't make me pull up patrick's texts okay anyway so <laughs> we patrick, have a professional no. patrick lives in new york okay so here we are four episodes <laughs> later still talking about this but now we have a professional who can state with facts and numbers and experience that remote working changed the landscape for most cities across the america i don't remember her saying most cities across america i think you're generalizing most cities across America. Most good cities across America, like Savannah. Had yeah, a boom. Okay. Sure. And we're using- I'll give you some great cities- Had that, a boom. That had a boom. Sure. Why? Uh, because a lot more babies were born. People were bored. <laughs> they were- It's so having, hard. It's so hard for They were you. having more private time together. It's so hard for you to nine say- Nine months later in 2021, bam. Remote workers. Remote it's so workers. hard for you to say remote workers. Let's go back to where uh, $700,000 gets you a fixer-upper in Savannah. You can't now. Maybe you could have in 2020. So um, basically uh, what we learned from um, ICEA, and my guess is Savannah is just one popular city. You know, there is um, Charleston. Now we're hearing about um, oh, Asheville's always been popular. Greenville, Greenville, but, South yeah. Carolina. So there are a lot of areas, and if you live in a certain part of the country, you know those areas that are becoming popular. And so um, what she did say was that in 2020, when people were coming to Savannah, they had an opportunity to buy these beautiful Victorians at five hundred thousand dollars. That because I asked her, I said, if I wanted a Victorian now, and I only wanted to pay five hundred thousand dollars. Could I get it? And and she did a chuckle and said, absolutely Yeah, she not. shot you down pretty quick. Um, a Victorian, like what we were seeing, they're about anywhere from 7,000 square feet to 8,700 square feet. I mean, they're enormous. They are. So if you're paying five hundred to $600,000 for a space that large, but you're coming from a city like Atlanta, where you're probably living in a home that's maybe- 2,000 square feet for the same price. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you do it? So she was saying that uh, landlords uh, were selling off their Victorians in 2022, you know, big city people, because they were able to get money for that building that they never thought imaginable. And she said that when this started happening, she actually didn't believe some of the renters, because not only was she helping people buy and sell, but you know, she said it was a, such a difficult position to be in where a person had lived in this apartment, let's say for 10 or 15 mm, years. Yeah. 
You got a buyer coming in from Atlanta who's going to buy the whole building. They're going to jack up the rent. And now this poor person needs a place to live. So she really did take it upon herself to try to find the renters also a new place to live. And yeah. her angle is always don't rent. Let me help you buy something. So while we were there speaking with Isia in her office, you know, we talked a lot about what a hidden gem Savannah is, even though it's not, it still kind of feels like that because I don't know, like I wouldn't say it's hidden because so many people not, know about list. it. I know that, but like I don't think people really I know think about it's it. Underestimated still. Oh, that's a perfect word. It's like people still like maybe taken oh. for granted a little bit. I don't know. I think underestimated is a good word. I also think there are a lot of people in this country without taste. So, you know, oh, yeah, a lot of people sure. go there and they're like, eh, it's cute. Moving on. Like some people can't envision themselves living there forever like we can. Like the cool people. The cool people go there and say, damn, I could do this. The not as cool people. <laughs> oh, geez. You're going down a rabbit hole. I don't think go you want to go down like there. Roanoke um, or wherever. I don't know. I think, I don't know why I think it's a hidden gem, even though it's not hidden. It's, it's on totally every not single hidden. list. Maybe it's just a gem. Um, you know, it's interesting. Since we've been doing this traveling, I find that the cool places, the places that like people tell you about, um, just aren't exclusive to certain people anymore because of social media. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm even guilty of exploiting a place just to get a like. <laughs> and it's like, there's a part of me that like, I hate doing that. But then I want to get that like, and I want other people to know about it. But then when other people know about it, it's like not cool anymore. I can't explain it. It's like an indie band. It's like you found this indie band. You saw them at like this little cool club. They're like, you think they're yours. You tell a few people about it because you want them to like make yeah. money. You want people to listen to it. But then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're on like pop radio and you're like, what the hell? And now you're mad at them. And so you don't listen to them anymore. It's kind of like- Maybe. Um, I, I think know. I, It's- it's something because when you ask locals about Savannah or you ask locals about Austin or you ask locals about like any of the cool places we've been to, like, how do you feel? You've seen the changes. Tell us about it. It is always a mixed bag. And you know that it is like, we're happy to have the money, but man, it's busy now. Comparing Savannah to some other cities we've been in, it's like their version of busy versus busy. It's, it doesn't get like Seattle busy. Okay. I'm not talking about that. Okay. You, why do you No, we're not, I'm just saying like when something gets popular, it's a double edged sword. Like you want grandma's country kitchen, like do well, grandma's back there making her meatloaf and you want people to come and know about it, but you don't want to line yeah. around the block where you can't get into grandma's kitchen. Why? Anymore. Grandma's making bank. I don't like that. I want to be able to still go to this place. I don't want every right, lame well, ass person now to go. If you don't like that, then we don't have a show. So <laughs> like our whole point is to visit places. I know. Our purpose. I look it. Like I'm our excited literal, our our, our, about- our developing the the photo is is soaking in the grease or whatever the hell it is, the water. And as it's developing, our purpose is becoming finding cool places. Sure. Through people look. or social media or in person and telling people about it. Like we have to do it. I know. And- I will exploit the place to get a like. <laughs> okay. But I just feel bad about it. And I there is again that double edged sword that like like, you know. I don't know, Door County, Wisconsin. Yeah. Door County. We would County. have never known about that. Now, like four people have told us oh, about now, it. And now we're not even going to be able to rent a car when we go to Door County because their enterprise will be like yeah. sold out. And it's like, okay. Even Cousin Judy was like, go to, <laughs> go to Door County. So I feel that way a little bit about Savannah. I would argue that Savannah is 350 years old and eventually the shine's going to wear off on it a little bit. So I think- you I don't know. think so. Uh, Austin, the shine has not worn off. Nashville, the shine has not worn off. No, I think you're wrong. I think. Uh, oh, absolutely wrong. I think you're wrong. Nobody can move to Austin anymore. So. Nobody can move to Savannah. The That's shine not is true. not going to wear You off. can totally live in the suburbs. It's totally you affordable. You can live in the suburbs of Nashville. You can live in the suburbs of Austin. I'm saying that Nashville and Austin, uh, the shine has not worn off. People are still moving. I don't think the shine is going to wear off in Savannah. You got to go all the way out to Franklin or something like that. You can't, it's not Nashville anymore. No, that's what I'm saying. And Savannah will not wear off either. I still think people are going to move there. I think the suburbs, yeah. They have to go to the suburbs if they can't afford living in the historic district or Midtown. 
Okay. So, you know, we learned a lot about real estate when we were with her, how to not wait, how to get started as young as possible. But yeah. what was like, what was the thing that changed? I would say it changed our life right now because we're doing something that we never, ever even considered after spending the day with her. And what was that? Uh, after that, we decided that because we have one child who is already out of college and working a job and making just a notch more money than I see a son was making at the time he purchased his property, uh, we decided that we were going to do everything we could to get Parker Gordon into a house in Corpus Christi. Yeah, we had lunch with Chanel and Isia. I don't even know how it came up, but something came up about Parker living in Corpus Christi and her wanting to get a bigger apartment. And yeah. Chanel said uh, something about a house. And I said, I, sh how is she going to come up with 20% down? Uh, and she goes, and she said to me, she doesn't have to. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I do remember that conversation. Uh, I had already mentioned to Parker, though, going back, I said, why would you want to move into a single apartment that's going to be like $1,200 a month or whatever, oh. when you could just buy a house? 1400 What I did not realize at the time, though, was that Parker could do it with so little money down. It wasn't until we spoke to everybody at Fox Hollow that I knew for a fact, like, we have to do this for this kid. Yeah, um, that conversation you had with Parker, I was unaware of. So I did not know that you told her she should be getting a house before we met with uh, Fox Hollow. I think my words were exactly, don't listen to mom. Do not get that apartment. We're going to try and get you a <laughs> the house. The apartment was really cute. <laughs> uh, any case, so when um, Chanel said to me, all Parker needs is 3% down, I was like, what? And she said, yeah. She's like, so if she finds a house for like $200,000, all she needs is $6,000 down. I is that like a first-time buyer FHA thing? What is the deal? How are they able to do that? It's a first-time buyer. Yeah, it's okay. a first-time buyer. That's it for sure. Because if you buy a second house, it's 20% down. Sure. So um, I, I actually sat with that information for a couple of days. And then I came to James not knowing that he already told her she should look for a house, which you never said to her to look for a house. You just said you shouldn't get that apartment. Yes. I absolutely said she cannot rent that. I told you on the phone, I said she cannot rent that apartment. It's too expensive for her. It's 53% of her income. Yeah, but you month. didn't say look for a house. I told her you would be better off buying a house. And okay. then I sent her three houses. Oh, okay. That's all news to me. Okay. I, I, I thought I was actually the originator of this idea. So learning <laughs> well, how now- How can you say that? We were in a real estate no. agent's office. You no. were coming up with these solutions. I actually they thought were. I was the originator of her Parker getting a house. That's what I thought. That's, I thought that I would thought, oh, this was my idea. But no. you're telling me no. It was, it was, your, it was our meeting with Isia that yeah. you set up yeah. that- after that meeting, that, I was like, oh, that told I have a both great of idea. Us, I was we like, could oh, actually do it. Yeah. We're talking over each other now. Yeah. After I see his meeting, that, I was like, okay. oh, I After have After I see it told you the idea, you are the originator of the idea. Is that how this works? For our daughter. Okay. For our daughter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever. Just listen to me. For our daughter. No. And I I'm wasn't. not listening to you. At all. This is insanity. Moving You're on. You're not listening to me. So I came to you two days later and I said, I have an idea. Unbeknownst to me, you had already had this conversation with Parker weeks before. So I'm like learning this right well, now. Well, about two weeks before, because you were just in Corpus Christi with her yep. looking at apartments. So with all that being said, anyway, as disappointed as I am right this minute, because I thought it was my idea that she get the house. Um, Even yeah. if it wasn't my idea, it wasn't your idea. It wasn't your idea. Because it was Isia's idea. She's Whatever. the one that's been doing it for all these people all these years. <laughs> it was How, my idea for Parker. Oh, my God. I'm sure your idea was Tesla, too. You've thought of Tesla. <laughs> I, I used to you think of an Tesla. electric car. The iPhone. Really the iPhone no, is Denise's idea. No, I never Denise's thought of the iPhone. Idea. No, Tesla, yes, but not the iPhone. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, so, uh, so yeah. We so should, you know what you should tell people is we should put a man on the moon. Go ahead. It could be your idea. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not talking to you right now <laughs> since you took the idea from me, I guess. But um, so, all that to say, I called the guy that helped us get the loan for the house in Florida and I said, hey, is it possible that my daughter, who has two years of work experience, one in college and one outside of college, you know, since she's graduated and she makes, you know, like somewhere in the forties, like, could she qualify for a house? Bam, literally 10 minutes later, 
She had an approval letter waiting for her um, that she could bring out with uh, with her real estate agent that Isia actually helped us find. Yep. So it was incredible because her credit score was so good. And because she had solid work experience, even though, um, you know, she was in college, she had consistent work the entire time she was in college. And all he needed was the last two check stubs and um, two years of tax returns. And that was it. And she's qualified for a $225,000 loan, which we're not going to go up to that much. And we're having her look at houses under 200. But it's incredible. She's going to be 23 years old and be yeah. a first time home buyer in Corpus Christi. Like, that's amazing. I mean, I wish that were us. I wish that somebody would have said that to us. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for her. I hope it works out. And the one thing that I see us said was that everything you've heard about real estate is true. It's the fastest profits you can make. Like you can't yeah. have a stock make $100,000 for you in as it, quick of a time as her son made on that house. You'd have to be a pretty skilled day trader to make that kind of money. Isn't that crazy? Your first year of doing something. Yeah, that's insane. But there were some pitfalls that she said people fall into that you should be very, very careful about. And I remember a couple of them thinking like, this seems like common sense, but not everybody has the same common sense. She said- Some it, people have none. That is true. A lot of people you know. A lot of people that are you. <laughs> no, I am full of common sense. I am like the most common, common sense person. <laughs> what? You were saying? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go over the pitfalls that I thought were common sense pitfalls. And she said, actually, they're not. Okay. Um, she did say that it is so important that you find a skilled real estate agent, with which I thought like, Okay, like most real estate agents out there, if you're a real estate agent, kind of know what you're doing. She was like, absolutely not. Uh, I believe that. Don't you, you think know, a lot of real estate agents think, are like total okay. buffoons? I think a lot are lazy. I agree with I that as well. I don't know if I think, because you have to go through a lot of tests to get that license. So I think that I think that a, that they are knowledgeable. I think a shit ton are lazy. I agree with that, but I and think I don't think they're several, good listeners. I think a savvy real estate agent can easily roll another not so savvy real estate agent is in the savvy? process of a sale. Okay, is savvy okay? What's your definition of savvy? Uh, like, uh, I, like a real estate agent who, um, like a real estate agent who doesn't say yes to every single comp that a potential buyer asks for and just says that's ridiculous. You know, like somebody who's willing to put their foot down for their client. You don't see that a lot. Like some and that goes back to what you're saying. Sometimes people are lazy and they're just like, guys, I think we're gonna have to do all these comps. You know, we're gonna have to totally like replace all the doors and windows on the house to get this buyer to buy this place. Like I think there are plenty of people who just roll over. And to me that's I, I think you're right. I think it's they're I, either lazy or they're not smart. I think I don't think you have to be savvy or creative to be a real estate agent. I think you're a good real estate agent. I think you have to be a hard worker. Oh, I think that's for me that's all no it question. is. Like I think that if you listen to your client and you listen to what they want, what they need, you show up on time. Sure. And and you are knowledgeable about the area. I think that's really all it takes. Like, I don't think you need to be. I mean, that's the I bulk think, of that's yeah. the bulk of any profession. It's like showing just up on time, it. doing what you say you're going to do. All that, sure. But let's just say all things being equal, uh, part of that hard work is really like I think there are just plenty of uh, real estate agents who sort of skim over contracts or oh. legalese or or requests or yes. Okay, you know, so that was and, another thing she said. And I think that smart ones put in that work. If somebody were to save us eight thousand dollars, I'd be like, oh great, yeah, that's you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, or, okay, or, I agree with you. Or or get us another thirty thousand over asking. You know, yeah, it's like that is true. Um, she also said to your point that um, a good real estate agent will also get you a good home inspector. And that to her was really key. Um, she said that uh, some people will forego home inspections. I I did not even yeah, know that insane. existed. I mean, she, that's only, I think that's only if they're going to plan on knocking it down anyway. Okay, maybe. Because she said a home inspection is so important and you have to get somebody who's on your team. Now, as a buyer, you're paying for the home inspection. Yeah. Um, but so many people just go in there 
just to get through the job, like it just, again, it goes back to being a hard worker, like being a conscientious worker. Um, and you know, she said a good home inspector could save you thousands. It could tell you to walk away from the deal. She's like, you want to get a good home inspection. She also mentioned it's important to have an attorney and that, um, in Georgia, they always have an attorney, um, whose primary job is just to make sure the title is clean. But in other states, they also have um, title companies, I believe, that do that. We're yeah. not real estate people. So, you know, I don't know what's going on in your area. I'm just telling you what she said, that it was important to her that she likes to have an attorney to make sure the title is clean. Well, I think it's because going back to what I said about Savannah being so old, you it's not oh. uncommon for you to find some ancient trust yes. on a piece of property or an old house yes. that all of a sudden you know, like you have to clear all that stuff for yeah. the sale and you're afraid, otherwise you're afraid, you know, Millie Nelson's fourth nephew is going to come out of the woodwork and say, no, that's my house yeah, and I should be entitled to this money. And the one thing that she mentioned that she said it's so important is that there's always a good time to buy. When people say it's a bad time to buy, she said, no, even right now with interest rates being high, housing being high, she said still right now is a good time to buy. Don't wait because you you could pass it up. And, you know, I think about our buying experience in Los Angeles, and I'm so grateful that James really forced the hand for us to buy 25 years ago. Um, I would have stayed in our apartment and, and my biggest, which I've learned now, um, not just as an, as an adult, but also meeting with her. You, you have to compromise a little bit on things. Like for us, I never wanted to move out of our apartment because I love the location. And, um, you know, when we bought our first home, it was a home that we thought we were going to live in for five years. And, and one of her things is, you know, those five-year homes, you, you end up staying in that. Yeah. Those end up being 25 years. Yeah. So just, so just buy the house because it may be a house that you stay in for a long time and it, it could be a great investment, uh, you know, piece of investment for you. But the one thing is I didn't, I didn't want to move to the area that we moved to. Um, and we had to, because it was what we could afford. And if I was going to wait to afford the neighborhood, our apartment was in, we never would have moved never. And so for her, we had like seven kids in that apartment at that point. No, it was just one. We had two. Okay, it was one and a half. No. Because she was only three months she old. She was out. When, no, she was she only- She was out. She was a viable human being at that point. But she was so little. She was like a half. So we had a three-year-old and we had a three-month-old in that apartment. But the point it was being- ridiculous. Is that- um, like I would even like say with Parker, okay, your first home, it can't be in like the best location. It can, I mean, like we, we want to get her a safe yeah. location, but she can't have prime real estate right now. Like let's yeah. just get it started. And I'll, I'll never forget like how everyone kept saying to me, this is your foot in getting started. And I'm glad that, you know, you made me do it. That home was a, a, an amazing um, purchase for us. Thank you. In some bizarre way, it made me feel good that the kids still cry over us selling it. It really means they had like good memories in that house, you know? So do you remember though, it was like everybody was waving cash in our face at that back at that time. This is before 2008. This was in 2003, 2004. We bought it in 2003. So, and everybody was telling us you could afford a way bigger house. You yeah. could afford this. Mm-hmm. You they could were. afford that. I am so glad. Like, even though we were basically stuck in that house for 20 plus years, I am so glad that we, we did though. not overextend ourselves. Like, let's be honest. We were never stuck in that house. Um, there was a point where you were looking at homes in a better area. Yeah. Um, and I was the one that was saying no, because my whole thing and everyone is different, but I felt like if something had happened to James, could my part-time job working as a personal assistant pay our mortgage. And in the house that we bought, it could. But if he would have gotten a bigger house, because after we moved in, like six to eight months later, maybe even a year, he was looking at bigger homes in nicer areas. Uh, I just felt like I wouldn't have, that would have been a mortgage that I couldn't afford on my part-time job. And well, so that to me, that was important. Like I I know, look, you have life insurance. I know all of that. Yeah, yeah, but, I have but, life insurance, but, but you're no, saying, so I, I, I guess what able- I'm hearing is it, it, you were thinking about if I got maimed, <laughs> that you wouldn't be able to f- afford the note on the house. I was thinking if you died, because if you got- If maimed, I died, you'd be wealthier than you are right now. I'm worth way more dead than I am alive. 
Well, you know what, though? My friend did tell me to up the life insurance when I told her I didn't think I could afford it. I'm sure the there's a secret policy out there and somewhere. And I did up the life insurance, but I still... Like, I don't know. I just felt like if my kids were in this house, yeah, you're right. I could buy a bigger house if you if you died. But I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking like, oh, when he dies, oh, we're throwing a party and I'm getting a mansion. No, I was thinking <laughs> like, if you die, we're all going to be crying. The last thing I'm going to do is uproot my family and move to another house. I just want to be able to afford this house. And I want to be able to still work a part-time job to do that. Um, I was thinking very... I wasn't thinking big money. I wasn't thinking <laughs> party well, hard really, when James dies. That's really was, good to know. I was thinking, can I afford this? You house? were thinking if he gets mangled and is still drawing breath, how can I do this? Yep. That's what that now that was what I was thinking. Okay, I actually wasn't though. I wasn't We've gotten even to the surface. No, because if we think about that, you would have gotten disability. I've already thought about From that. From where? Like if you got mangled, we'd get state disability. Everyone gets oh my disability. God. It's like a thing. You can get anyone can get disability. Okay. So that three hundred dollars a month was really gonna like help us a lot. My God, that doesn't even like pay for the kid. It doesn't pay for one kid's pair of whatever. shoes. Whatever. We would have gotten disability and I would whatever. All right. Okay. I was anyway, just thinking I hate where this conversation is gone. Go on. I don't all I was thinking, I want to be able to afford the mortgage. And that little house in Van Nuys, I was able to afford the mortgage on if something happened to you. So for us, I did not want to go bigger. And back to your point of everyone was waving money at us to get a bigger house. Even our real estate agent said, you know, you, you are new in your career, James, and you're always going to make more money. Mm -hmm. So you should probably look at a little bigger of a house, which he wasn't wrong. But like I said, when he was saying that, I just said to him, we can't hope and pretend that that's going to happen. Because what if it doesn't, even though it's life and people always make more money as, as they get better in their career, we just couldn't bank on it. I, I had, look, I had two kids. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So I, I erred on the side of let's get a little house. And then in five years, let's reevaluate. But five years never came. It never came. I came from the standpoint that I grew up in the sticks. And when my grandmother passed away, they sold her house with an entire acre of land and all kinds of Amish furniture uh, for about $60,000. So the monopoly money that real estate agents and brokers were waving in front of my face at that time totally spooked me. There was no way I was going to purchase a house for more money than we exactly did. So I don't know, just our experience. People you know do it differently. Yeah. I, I could, you could see the argument though. It's like, okay, 15 years from now, you know, you're sure you're going to be a little stretched thin at the moment. But you know, I do see that you're going to have to cut out family vacations for a couple years, and then you're going to be making more money. Yada, I'm too yada. scared of that argument. I think it's just so volatile, and like it's the, a lot of risk. The economics in this country now are so volatile. It's it, like, it's why not, would it's you? It's not ever, worth it to me. I no. mean, like honestly, we would have done it if it was worth it. We would have done it. But I, when I hear that argument, I'm like, oh, you're banking on a lot. Like you're banking yeah. on his health. You're banking on your health. You're banking on his job increasing his pay. Your job increasing your pay. I don't know. Our, this whole well, country is based on two people working. I, I don't even believe in that. Like one person should be at home helping like raise these kids. So, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have kids who are coming home with no parents. So how do we get back to that? Not, not how do we get a bigger house? You know? Yeah. We were proven correct five years later when we know about six or seven people that lost their house during oh, the financial bust. That so. is true. Okay. That is very true. Uh, the one thing she did mention too, was that, um, you know, if you buy a house, don't stop buying. And I think it's like a tattoo. When you get one, you get another. <laughs> I right? mean, you it's know, like the same. Uh, it's exactly the I same. Could, I could see the connection you're making. Sure. Like you get the bug. And so it's like yeah. her whole thing is like, don't stop buying. And um, I agree with that. I really, really do. Um, I hope that like we can do that. Like we want another house. I mean, we're looking for one right now. But then I hope like after that. We can we can do that because it's something you've always talked about, but we just I think we've been scared. I know I have. I'm talking for myself. I've been scared. I don't know why. Yeah. She says don't be scared. She's like, don't be scared. Like it's silly, silly, silly. Oh yeah. When we said, well, what about interest rates? I see uh, in our all of our little whiny stuff. Oh, she yeah. looked at us like Mike Tyson, you know? <laughs> and she was like, No, we can do this. And I was like, you know, she did. Was she like, was wow, like, Yeah, this is lady's intense and she's serious. And I left there feeling like 
super educated. So if she were sitting here right now with us would have fact checked us at least six times by now. Oh, yeah. But not just that she would say if you have a young son, young daughter, get them in the game. Don't wait. Like if they're out of college, they've had a job for a couple of years. Come up with 3%. It could be anywhere. Okay, it could be an hour away from your house. Get them in the game because you're doing them the best thing ever for their financial future. She said that over and over again. And she also mentioned how she wants to start teaching young people how to buy. So I said to her, I'd never heard of a real estate agent focusing on young home buyers like in their 20s. I think it's genius. I really hope she does it because, like us, no one really said, buy a house, buy a house. I mean, Nobody said that. So you said it. Yeah. But like nobody, like no one in my family. I don't oh, think, no, no. Like yeah. no one in your family. No, like, it's only because, you know, we kept having kids. So uh, it okay. was like, okay, it's time to buy a house. This is ridiculous. But uh, going back to um, what you brought up about ICEA, uh, the the one thing that kept ringing in my ears as we said goodbye to her that day was her use of... Uh, a few times that day of the words generational wealth. And the fact that she is uh, wanting to do this for her clients, who, by the way, uh, many of whom happen to be, uh, you know, young uh, black professionals starting out with their lives or maybe, you know, first job out of college. You know what she works with a lot too? Don't forget the military. Those are a big part of her client base is the military. Yeah. So, I mean- uh, you just can't talk to this woman for five, 10 minutes about anything real estate and not leave there knowing more than you knew when you started and feeling really good about your chances of, you know, getting somebody you know into a house, whether they're 20 years old or 30 or whatever. If they're a first time buyer, she's got the strategy. She is literally walking strategy. Yeah, she's a she's, walking strategist. She's not just a real estate agent, she really wants you to make money and invest properly for your family. So when you hear those two words, generational wealth, you're like, this woman is serious about you having the best life and the most money you can make, not knowing anything about you. Just like she knows this works. So let me help you create generational wealth. I completely forgot that she said that, but she said, let me help you create generational wealth for your family, which like, how many billionaires have started on real estate? Like it is like, it's so, it's so basic, but people don't do it, including us. It is. And it sounds a little uh, altruistic and it probably sounds like we're giving you the heavy duty sell on Fox Hollow Realty at the moment. I mean, talking about her, because we are in a way, I guess, but it really comes down to, you know, uh, here's a woman that not just wants to educate her clients, but you know, she even laid it out for us. Like her mission is to be out in the field a lot less and educating people a lot more in whatever that venue is going to be. You can already find it on her social media. You can find it in the testimonials of the people that she's gotten into homes and, uh, you know, three of which are in her office. So, um, I don't know. I just, I I felt very inspired by her and, um, I didn't feel like she was selling anything. She was just selling straight up knowledge. And I walked away, look, we're going to help our daughter get no home. So yeah. we walked away uh, feeling inspired, motivated, and we're going to do it. Yeah. So she uh, she changed one, like the life of us, like our lives right now by what we're doing. We wouldn't have done yeah. this. No, there's I feel no pretty way. damn good when uh, Parker's in a house somewhere in Corpus yeah. Christi. And yeah. I know that, you know, working in news, she could be transferred a year or two years or three years from now or whatever. Uh, but just the, going all the way back to the beginning of this show, when you were talking about Icea's son and the amount of money he was able to make in a short amount of time, yeah. uh, even if Parker makes half or a third or whatever it is of that, it's more money than she has in her bank account right now. All right. So no real estate experts here, but- we know now a lot more than we did when we walked in that door of hers. We absolutely did. You know, uh, one of my big takeaways when we sold our house in Los Angeles was how Brianna, who crushed it, by the way. She did. Brianna Deutsch and Paul Margolis. Yep. Uh, at absolute, Rodeo Realty. At Rodeo Realty. Absolutely crushed it for us in Los Angeles. Uh, and speaking of smart real estate agents, oh. one of the smartest things they did was get us a fantastic photographer. The photographs of our house. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. It I was, was like, damn, I wish my house had always looked this 
way. It was so incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. So, um, and it was just restaging stuff that was already there yep. and taking out all of our junk, basically. Yeah. Didn't bring in any furniture. It was all ours. So yeah, I thought I knew the value of a great real estate agent, but I had no idea what I was walking into on that Sunday morning in Savannah when we went to see ICEA. So um, thank you to everyone at Fox Hollow Realty. Mm -hmm. If you want to know more about all of the lessons and strategies ICEA has for you, we highly encourage you to look at our show notes and check her out at Fox Hollow Realty. We're going to leave that stuff in the liner for you. And I think that about wraps up this quick real estate episode. I don't know if it was quick, but yeah, it wraps it up. We talked a lot. We did talk a lot. You talk a lot. You talk a lot about bullshit. <laughs> nope, you do. What am I? Nope, you do. <laughs> what, am I? what am I? What am I? What is that whole all right, thing? All right, you, let's give not, her a proper ending. What is it? What am I? Not you. How does that go? That, blah, blah, you don't blah. even know what you see. You're just talking bullshit. <laughs> there we go. Uh, thanks for joining us. We will see you guys next week. Take them out. Empty nest, full tank. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.